Hello, everyone, and welcome into FCC Talk. I'm your host, John Rhodes, Children and Family Minister here at First Christian Church, and we have a very special guest with us today, Chris Craig. Chris, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, John. Thanks for asking. Yeah. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. Glad to have you here. We're recording this on uh, Wednesday afternoon, and it's 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 been a Wednesday. So it's uh, been a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but you know, you and I, we don't work on Fridays. At least at the church, we don't work. Um, right. You work on your business stuff on Fridays, and yep. I watch the kids on Fridays. So both both work. <laughs> Just not this different work. different time, different work working, different exactly. working. Exactly. So, all right. Uh, well, if you've been listening to FCC talk, you know what we're all about. We offer you uplifting, uh, and encouragement, just, just good, wholesome talk where we talk about different news items. We talk about current events that are going on. We talk about ministry, um, insights. We don't really get into politics because you can find that just about anywhere and, and, you know, it's just going to bring you down or make it controversial or whatever. So we're just not even going to talk about that. Uh, but we do want to offer some Bible. It's not really like a sermon. Don't come here if you're looking for, you know, some sermon. Uh, but we might occasionally here and there mention the Bible, those different things like that. So we're excited for the episode today. We've got a few good topics and then we'll do our, uh, what's new. Uh, we haven't, we haven't had, been as consistent with the podcast lately with the holidays so and i was sick one week so that impacted it as well so uh, i'm sure chris will have some new stuff to share with us and we're really excited to hear that and then of course we'll have chris give us a little bit of truth something from the bible that he uh has been thinking about or marinating on lately and uh we'll go from there so other than that chris you ready to get started i'm ready john all right, so our first story is about uh, a lost World War II soldier's Bible. So it was found on the beaches of D-Day, um, and they gave it to the D-Day Memorial. And now it is prominently being, well, not the memorial, what, they gave it to the museum or something like that. Um yeah, they gave it to like the, it was an artifact museum where they have all different kinds of artifacts from there. Uh, they gave it to that. And so just a super interesting story. I don't think I need to go through and read the entire thing, but there's a lot of interesting nuggets in here. Uh, the family is obviously religious, so they were very thankful to get the Bible back. Um, and, and, and this whole news story kind of made me think about how different times Bibles are found, you know, after church fires or after some kind of mass destruction. I was just reading the other day about the great tsunami that hit in Japan and how uh, there was one Bible that that uh, was in this house that looked like it had not been touched at all. Um, just all these crazy stories about Bibles not really having anything bad happen to them in moments of great destruction. So Chris, I just wanted to start the conversation. Do you think there is something about God preserving Bibles in these kinds of situations intentionally and for a reason? Well, I think it's fascinating. Obviously, on the beach of Normandy in World War II, that story struck me was that the family received that from a fellow soldier that had picked that Bible up off the beach. Right. Now, I don't know of anywhere worse a Bible could be than on a beach probably had gotten wet or damp. And that was an amazing story of how it was recovered, sent, and the soldier had hoped that the family would hear from that soldier, which they never did. He was killed in action. They never recovered the body that they know of. And that was the only keepsake of 
it, well, it was a symbol of his life. And when you think about Bibles, it is a symbol of life and light, the word of God. And so, yeah, I think God at, at different times, there's some supernatural, extraordinary ways that Bibles are preserved. And I think it's significant in this, in that sense. Now, you might say, well, that's random or that's just, yeah, odds are that the Bibles, because they were a book, didn't get burned up. But other other books burn. Right. So I, I think that's, it's a fascinating story and well worth reading. And it was moving to me, especially with Veterans Day and having known so many World War II vets that are no longer with us, but their sacrifice and service and our other armed forces friends that have uh, served their country, our country in that way. So I thought that was very significant. Yeah, and it's always always good to take time to to, to recognize our military and um, you know the sacrifice that men and women have made uh, for our country, but also just those who are who were willing to serve in whatever capacity they did. So uh, yeah, no, I thought the story was really really uh, intriguing as well. I didn't know exactly what to do with it when I first found it. I thought, man, how are we going to put a conversation around this? But I just felt like we needed to talk about it mm-hmm. in some way, shape. Mm-hmm. or form. Um, and, and, you know, I kind of put myself in the situation of the mom who got the Bible back and then now the sister who has the Bible, which she donated mm-hmm. it to the uh, to the uh, memorial artifact area mm-hmm. for them to keep that. And I just yeah. thought, you know, if, if I had, you know, I don't have any family members who are currently in the military. I know your son is in the military, but mm-hmm. if, if anything ever tragically happened to a family member of mine in the military and they were able to give me something back um, I feel like the Bible, a Bible of that person would be mm-hmm. one of the most meaningful things to me. Do you feel that same way, Chris? Absolutely. I think that would be significant. Well, in the story, the mother had kept that Bible or and a sister passed it on the sister, and then they gave it to the D-Day Memorial Museum. Right. And so it's going to be an artifact that's going to be kept forever and and commemorate that moment and that sacrifice that that soldier gave in on that day. I, you know, one of those stories, I don't know if you knew this or not, that the Washington Street, First Christian Church on Washington Street here in Brazil actually had burnt down, and the Bible had been recovered and was not touched. And so, again, you know, that we hear stories like that, often about these old churches, especially in the early 1900s, burning down, and the Bible was the only thing they recovered, and it was unscathed. That, to me, is amazing, because hymnals burn, everything else burn, but not the Bible. So I I get goosebumps every time I think about it. I I don't get the heebie-jeebies, but I just think it's (laughs) fascinating that God, in somehow, in some way, and you know, you can say it was chance, it was random, it was, you know, well, whatever. Enough time, but it's happened so often that it's just kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, it just makes one me thing smile. If, if one of the hymnals survived and, you know, or one page of the hymnal survived and the rest of it didn't or something like that, I guess if that happens, then you need to sing that 
That's him Just every single sing day. Sing that song. <laughs> sing that one every time in church. I guess people might get tired of it, but it's like, hey, this one survived. Um, no, but I do have another question, and this is less related to the uh, story of uh, of the Bible coming back to the family, but more just kind of like Bibles in general. Chris, do you feel like in in some way, because obviously technology is different today than it was 100 years ago, uh, do you feel like in some way um, digital Bibles, online Bibles are kind of taking away from the meaning of owning a physical Bible. Like I know you and I own physical Bibles and I know other people who, who own physical Bibles, but you know, a lot of people I talk to nowadays, they have their Bible on their phone or they have their Bible on their iPad or, or mm-hmm. they use their computer. Um, are us using, is, is us using our Bibles on our phones taking away from the meaning of owning a physical Bible today? I have so many Bibles, John, and I have so much software, Bible software. I've got several thousand dollars invested in Bible software, and I have all kinds of versions. And obviously, I promote the U version, but I still take a physical Bible into the pulpit, if you will, on stage with me every Sunday. Uh, and 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 typically, that's probably the only time I touch a physical Bible. But a lot of people don't. But I I, I have. I probably have 15 different Bibles in my office right now, and I probably have 15 different Bibles at home, physical Bibles, as well as using uh, version Bible. I don't think it detracts, but I would always want to have at least a physical copy of a Bible. I, I was concerned, you know, I'm getting closer to retirement or, you know, old age, and I thought, you know, I might downsize. I might live in a one-room house someday. And I thought, how am I going to deal with all these books? There is no way. And I love to read. I love books. And so the digital format really has reduced the space need. But I was still, if, if I only had one physical book, it would be a Bible. How about you? Yeah, you know, I I, I, th- I did a Truth Tuesday about this about a year or two ago, and it was really eye-opening for me as I studied it as well. You know, the effects of a Bible that we have on our phones and, you know, a physical Bible and kind of the determination I came to was, you know, both are really nice to have. I don't think you completely stray away from a physical Bible for something, you know, that's on your phone or online, but I also think that, you know, you you shouldn't just like refuse to download the Bible app because you're afraid that it's going to do something to your physical Bible. Um, but in this situation, like with the soldier, you know, I think to myself, if I was a soldier and I was going away, you know, overseas or something like that, you know, would I make bringing a Bible, you know, an important thing for me to bring? And I would say yes. Um, for, because to me, it would be something that I would need to have, with me, even if I did have my phone or something like that, and I have, you know, the NIV downloaded on my phone, I still would feel like I need to have a physical Bible with me. And so I, I think there's areas where it's good both ways. Um, but if I had to say, should everybody own a physical Bible? I would say, yes, everybody should, should have a physical Bible that you call your own, whether it has your name in it, next to you when you go to sleep, whatever it's called, uh, but something like that. So, so. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about this, and when, when technology fails, right? And so I think that a physical copy would be very 
important. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's another thing that I thought about in a situation if I was overseas, you know, what if my, you know, internet goes out and I, you know, what if my phone stops working or something like that, you know, um, to me, it, it makes sense to have some kind of physical Bible that you can read from. Uh, and then it would also just be something that you could, you know, have out and people would recognize it, maybe ask questions, uh, and maybe you could evangelize with it. So, so yeah. All right, Chris, that was a good discussion. Let's move on to our next item. Our next item, this is actually something that we do every year. It's Operation Christmas Child. Uh, they ha- are celebrating their 30th anniversary this year, which is really, really cool. They have a thing uh, about it on their website. Uh, just different kids who have now grown up. Uh, kind of some testimonies of kids who got it when they were younger and now they've grown up and they talk about the impact that it had on their lives, which I think was incredible to read. Uh, all of these stories I'll be posting in the uh, in the description area. So if you want to go ahead and read these later on, you can. But I just thought it was really, really intriguing to read about. I think that Operation Christmas Child is just such a, a great ministry that has impacted so many people. Um, so, Chris, now that it's been around for 37 years, I want to ask you, kind of do a bit of history with it. When did you first begin or maybe hear of Operation Christmas Child and why? The answer to that question is, I don't know. I was surprised <laughs> I when I read that article, first of all. Because it's been around for so long. And then I thought, only 30 years, and I've been in ministry 40 years. So we've been doing it as long as I can remember. But I don't know how long that's been. Probably 20 plus years, I would guess. But I don't know. Were you guys doing it when you had the old building? I don't remember it then, but... See, we left the old building in 98, so we're, we've been in this new building for 25 years. Yeah. So as long as I can remember, we've been doing it, which is kind of crazy. So I don't know. It's interesting. But I, I particularly like that the, the children who gather the supplies and do the packing are so excited about doing it. And then I've seen videos of the kids in countries in Africa and in South America and Mexico received them and they're ecstatic. And so I just think it's a, just one of those opportunities to express compassion, generosity, and concern for someone less fortunate that has a real impact. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I didn't know when I first started doing Operation Christmas Child uh, when I was younger, because uh, it's, it's been around longer than I've been alive. Um, I'm 29 now, so uh, one more year. You're just a pup. Just a pup. Just a pup. Uh, <laughs> one more year than I've been around. It's been here. But but I remember when I was younger, just like packing it with all the fun things. I didn't really realize, you know, how much of a ministry it was when I was younger, uh, you know, sending over the booklets and, and, and having ministers be the ones who gave them out, those different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, when I learned about that, probably I think I was maybe a teenager when I learned that they started doing that, that was something I I really wanted to make sure people knew about Operation Christmas Child. So that's actually an emphasis that we talk about with the kids every year in Kid Zone when we do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Is I make sure they realize, hey guys, we're not just sending you know shoes and balls and you know coloring pages. 
over over to these kids. We are we are giving them a Christmas present, but we're also giving them the greatest present there is, which is to know Jesus Christ and to have eternal mm-hmm. life with him. Uh, and to me, that that is the piece that really opens the kids' eyes and they understand more about what they're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've even had some kids ask me, you know, well, why don't we do anything like that around Christmas time? And I say, you do. You go to Christmas Eve services. You go to church. Mm-hmm. You learn about these other kids. They don't always have the opportunity to nope. do that. Uh, nope. Op- Operation Christmas Child made a video about um, – a girl who I think she was a teenager and she was able to tell her story about how she received the gift when she was younger and she brought home the gift, brought home the booklet, studied it with her mom, her and her mom started going to church and then her sister started going to church with them. And then eventually their father started going to church with them too. And it saved the entire household, mm-hmm. uh, it, which to me was just very, very moving to hear her talk about. And I could mm-hmm. tell for the kids in kids zone, it was moving as well. So, um, you know, I don't think we always realize the impact of what this whole ministry does, but it really mm-hmm. is quite, quite astounding. So, um, I did have another question, Chris was long. Uh, so we've been doing obviously operation Christmas child for a long time. Uh, and and we've started recently doing the compassion Christmas project. So I just want to kind of hear from you. Why is it important that we do the, the compassion Christmas project in addition to doing the operation Christmas child? Well, I think giving overseas is important, but I also like giving locally to make a difference. And what I like about the uh, Christmas Compassion Project is these are families that are working, trying hard. They have children that, I mean, with the inflate with inflation the way it is, they're struggling. Hardworking people are struggling today, and this is a way that. Uh, someone knows these families, they know what they need, and we give directly to them. And we make a difference in eight families, which is amazing. And it it is very personal. We're going to do it on a Sunday after church this year, have a lunch and do that. And I'm moved every time. I think our, our giving, again, it, it's practical. It's something that helps people that aren't looking for a handout, but are working and they're local and they, the parents get to, I mean, it's from them, not from us. So it's anonymous in the sense that we're giving and we're helping and we're helping them wrap them, but it's very personal and it makes a difference. And that's just one of those ways that we get to invest in the kingdom of God for the kingdom of God in people directly locally, just like we we help out foreign missions and in places that have never heard the gospel where the gospel is spreading. And so that investment in the kingdom is like a seed where we plant a little seed and it grows up into a large plant that it, it's a multiplication factor for Christ and for the kingdom. So I, I, I'm sold on that. I wish we could do more compassion projects locally that we can get involved with that will make a difference and where we have an opportunity to share the love of Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I heard you talking with Dan today about, you know, 
possibly doing some more things throughout the year because you know we we really do a lot around Thanksgiving mm-hmm. time and Christmas time between Operation Christmas Child and the Thanksgiving uh, food, which the fifth mm-hmm. graders I don't I don't know if many people know this, but the fifth graders over at Cornerstone actually help us pack those in the trucks and then we take those over to the um uh, what's it called the food Clay County Benevolence Clay yeah County. Or, yeah yeah uh, or food, food pantry. pantry yeah, yeah. food pantry. We we do, we take it all over there together. This year, you and I and Jay took it over there with the fifth grade class, and uh, you and I got the chance to walk through and see the kids kind of explore and understand mm-hmm. what happens mm-hmm. over there at the food pantry, uh, which is just such an amazing thing for them to be a part of that process and to see the church give and see that impact on mm-hmm. our community as well. I love doing missions. I love donating and helping those things. Uh, but it's really, really nice when we can do stuff, you know, for our community here where we can see the impact better um, and hopefully, you know, grow our relationships with others. And like you said, plant those seeds. Mm-hmm. So even if even if they don't come to our church someday, maybe they're impacted enough that they will, you know, find a church home somewhere mm-hmm. someday. So any more final thoughts on the Compassion Christmas Project? Well, the Compassion Christmas Project, again, is in the name of Jesus, and it's personal and it's local. Clay County Food Pantry, excuse me, uh, make sure that the people who are receiving have need as well as we support Clay County Benevolence, which helps families in need in the community, as well as we help in church, church folk, family of God folk, in our own church family when we see need. And so I just think that it's very important that we, we uh, invest in the kingdom with those that have need as opposed to entitlement, as opposed to just in general. Uh, and I think that's super important. And I, I just I'm really thrilled with what we get to do. Yeah, me too. It's wonderful uh, to to see happen and and to uh, get to engage with what's going on as well, using your hands, not just donating something, but Mm -hmm. using your hands and working Mm -hmm. on it. So, all right, Chris, let's move on to our next topic. This is our last topic before we get into the other stuff. Uh, So Max Lucado, I'm sure most of you have heard of him. I really like Max Lucado. I've got a number of his books. He's written some really good children's books for kids to understand, you know, the gospel in a way that is easier for them. Uh, He's just a wonderful author. Well, he wrote an article titled, Where is Your Hope for the Holiday? And I think this is something that we don't talk about as much around the holiday time is that there are some people who struggle with the holidays more than other people. Uh, Whether it's you lost a family member, whether you just have a traumatic memory or something like that. Uh, and, And it's hard to sympathize with that if we've never experienced that and so this this whole article is, is not just about that, but it's also just about you know if you are trying to focus on the holidays, but you know politics are stressing you out, or the war over in Israel is stressing you out, you know all these different things going on. How can we focus on the holidays and really put our hope there? Uh, Max Lucado gives a nice little four step reminder, which uh, you know just happens to coincide with the word hope that I really enjoyed, and I wanted to get your hope your uh, your hope. I want to get your thoughts on it, Chris. So H stands for help. Reach out to someone who needs an act of kindness. O stands for open. Open your heart to miracles. And then P stands for pray. Make this the year that you take time to talk to God. And then E stands for 
enjoy. Enjoy what you have. Don't dwell on what you don't have. Fix your mind on the good around you and enjoy it. So hope stands for help, open, pray, and enjoy. So Chris, my question to you as we start off this conversation is what are your thoughts just on the four-step reminder of hope in the midst of chaos that Max Lucado gives? I think it's a great idea. Max obviously is a, a, a great author and speaker. And I think it's a reminder that we have the hope and the life and the light that no one else has. I uh, have friends that are suicidal, that are depressed, that uh, struggle with anxiety. In fact, I'm going to address a lot of this in my Christmas series and remind people, hey, we have the hope. But I think one of the keys of having hope is helping others. And you and I, in our vocations and ministry, get to help people all the time. But our culture is very self-centered, narcissistic, and I run into people that are have everything and yet have, don't have the th- the most important things. And, and hope is one, uh, depression, uh, self-centeredness, lack of helping others and other-centered, uh, they struggle. And I try to encourage them, obviously, You need to be in a church. You need to be in the word. You need to have a source of light and life in your life. Um, But when you're self-focused, I I think it's very depressing. And and, um, there's a lack of joy that that's what the body of Christ does. That's what the word of God does. So there's my diatribe today is get over yourself and help someone and get into a a body and hear a positive message every week or every day. Right? Yeah, no, for sure. No, I think you're right. I'm really glad that Max started it with that help. Reach out to someone who needs Mm -hmm. an act of kindness. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just as simple as that. You know, I remember, you know, thinking when I was younger, uh, like a teenager and stuff like that, thinking, oh, well, how am I going to do these things to help people? And I would think, oh, well, you know, do I need to go to, you know, some type of homeless food kitchen where I, you know, serve people this, or or Mm -hmm. do I need to go, you know, do this great big act of kindness or whatever? And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just, you know, being kind to the people around you to start Mm -hmm. off, you know? sacrifice what you have going on for somebody else, you know, make the extra effort to say something encouraging to people every day. Uh, make, you know, if you see something that you think somebody might enjoy, uh, maybe get that for them, give it to mm-hmm. them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, we had, we had for pastor appreciation month, Catherine just one day for chapel, just got me and Dan coffees because she stopped at the coffee th- place and thought, well, I'll mm-hmm. get Dan and John both a coffee. I know what their mm-hmm. orders are. Uh, and so that was really nice of her to do. It, it, it's, it, it seems small, right. but it's really well appreciated. Right. And it can be something that, you know, somebody really appreciates and, and do a lot for them that we don't always recognize. Mm-hmm. So. As simple as a word of an encouragement, noticing something about that party, that person that is exemplary or just out of the ordinary or a word of appreciation, a gift, whatever, right. uh, buying a ticket. We've got, oh, oh skit, guys. skit guys coming up. Tickets are available. You know somebody? I know some people that 
uh, wouldn't naturally go. I'm going to take a grandchild, obviously, that's going to be available at night, but uh, buy some tickets for some other people that would appreciate it. Ask them, before, you know, before you buy them, I'd ask them, hey, we, if I buy buy these for you, will you use them? And so yeah. I've got some people that I'm going to share that with because I think skit guys, they're, they're funny. You're going to make, you're going to smile. It's going to be, feel good, but they're also going to preach the gospel. So this is a simple way, non-threatening way uh, that where people laugh, they lower their guard and they can hear, hear the message of the gospel. Well, and we just talked about it the other day during staff meeting, you know, what is one of the best times to really deliver the message of Jesus Christ to somebody? And normally it is during some kind of hardship that's going on. Right. Well, how do you be present in the time of somebody's hardship? You're mm-hmm. kind to them. They trust you. They feel like they can be around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if it's even just a small little comment, uh, you know, of, uh, you know, hey, I, I'm struggling right now. And it's just you saying, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Um, you know, I, I have, we, we work with an advertising agency to help with our geofencing stuff. Anyway, if you don't know what that is, <laughs> take too long to explain it. But uh, we, we had a situation where some of our advertising didn't get done the right way and at the right time. And so I called our salesperson and I, you know, I wasn't upset or anything. I just wanted to know what was going on. Uh, well, as I was talking to her on the phone, she kind of broke down in tears because turned out the reason why things hadn't been working is because her father passed away mm. unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, you know, obviously she was really having a really, really hard time. And, and I just told her, I said, you don't need to worry about us or me or anything. You, be with your family, you know, do those mm-hmm. kind of things. Uh, I said, I'll call your boss and make sure that like he gets all this stuff squared away. You don't even worry about calling your boss. I was like, I'll take right. care of that stuff. Um, and then at the end of the conversation, I, I, I've never even seen this woman face to face. I've only ever mm-hmm. talked with her on the phone and through email, mm-hmm. but I said, you know what? I, I want to pray for you. And so mm-hmm. I took a, I took a minute to say a very short prayer with her and just yeah. tell her that, you know, Hey, God's watching over you. And, uh, you know, if you ever need anything, feel free to ask, but mm-hmm. just the kindness as well to say, this isn't something you need to worry about. Go be with your family. Right. You know, absolutely. Um, and I wasn't around the holiday time, but that's an example of something that can be done around the holiday. Time. Absolutely. So, so, yeah. Um, Chris, the other question I was going to ask is, uh, what, what helps you? So we talked about helping people, but maybe some other stuff, just like mentally, what kind of helps you stay grounded in the hope around Christmas time throughout all the chaos and the news and the Mm -hmm. politics, the stress of everyday life, what kind of helps you stay grounded in the thoughts and the emotions of the holidays? Well, every day I stop and, uh, the first thing, or one of the first things I do, maybe, after I go to the bathroom or uh, get my cup of coffee in the morning, before I, I shave my head, I, I get you. Yeah. <laughs> is uh, spend some time in the Word of God. I use U version every day on my iPad, and I start with that. This time of year, like this Sunday, I probably will say, "Hey, you know, if you're not a Bible reader, or if you are, don't forget to do a devotion, a Christmas devotion. Read through the Christmas story every day, or." get a devotional that highlights Christmas story, take some time to pray, look for opportunity to serve others in your daily walk to walk. Um, 
help with some people because I'm in the rental business and and, and a landlord. I particularly look for opportunities to serve my tenants, help them in some way. If they're struggling, give them an opportunity to work and, uh, uh, you know, maybe even earn some money toward being able to buy their kids Christmas. Some of those type things where it's again, personal, you feel like you're helping them and they appreciate it. Uh, but also making a difference. So some of those things, just smiling when, when you're in a checkout uh, line and being patient with a, a server or a cashier, uh, smiling, asking about how they're doing, what's going on and, and make it, make it more personal. Yeah. When, uh, when I've gone out to eat with you, I've noticed that a lot of times you'll ask what the server's name is um, mm-hmm. and you'll ask about their day and things that are going on. And um, I don't do that often enough, uh, mm-hmm. but I can tell it, it really impacts the person, you know, mm-hmm. when you see them as an actual person and not just the server or not just the person who's, mm-hmm. you know, cashing out my, my transaction here or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I think that's meaningful to people that they're seen as an actual person uh, and not just some type of service mm-hmm. for you and what's going on. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I but, definitely commend you for that. Cause that's yeah. something I'm learning from, from eating with you. You and I were out yesterday and uh, four firemen came in and the fire chief came in. And uh, we struck up a conversation and they'd been on a, a run and we we're just talking to them and uh, appreciating their service and what they do. And I, I said, or I don't know if you noticed, I said, you guys don't smell like smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, and so just making a personal touch and encouragement in that moment and, uh, just saying a little prayer for them. One, one, I knew one of them was going through a particularly different, a difficult season in their lives. And I told you about that. I won't go into that on, online, but again, you know, you never know when one of those touches or one of those prayers are going to make a difference in their life. And that's, we're out, we're out to plant seed, seeds of hope, seeds of the gospel, and uh, just uh, show care and concern as much as we can. Right. And again, I'm not the most compassionate or empathetic guy, but I, you know, everybody's got to try somehow, even as non-empathetic, non-compassionate guys. Uh, uh, you're, you're, you're okay on your compassion, Chris. You've grown. <laughs> You've grown. <laughs> now, VBS at the games, and you tell the little kids to get up and, you know, oh, your knee's okay. Come walk <laughs> over here. <laughs> <laughs> they might not see that as compassionate, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I enjoy it. All right, Chris, let's talk about some new stuff going on for you. What are you eating? What you watching? What you reading? There anything new going on with you that you want to share with the people? Well, what I'm eating, I had pumpkin pie, pecan pie, pumpkin latte today. And I also had, believe it or not, pumpkin nut bean soup today for lunch. Where do you have that at? Uh, at Brazil Coffee today, huh? So that was a new, different experience for me. What I'm watching, I gotta say though, I'm not a big soup guy personally. Um, even around this cold time, I like my hot liquid to not have stuff in it. in it. I'm I'm a big chili guy. I you know with these cold, okay. this cold weather, I like to have chili and a sandwich. And I'm a soup. I I like soup. Yeah, I'm like, a big soup guy. 
I like soup beans. I like all of that. So cold weather soup time for me. There you go. There you go. All right. What were you going to say? What you what are you watching or reading? Mm, what I'm reading, I continue to read. I'm reading a oh, I want to call it Level Up or Lift Up by Ryan Leak. We we saw that in Global Leadership. I'm in a mastermind group, and we we are reading CJ that. Talked about that last time. Yeah, we're doing that. But I also Crucial Conversations, another one I hit hit. I'm basically doing a lot of research for my next series in uh, January and for this Christmas series. So those are a couple things that I'm I'm doing that it's not disciplined reading that I typically do. So I'm not reading as much right now. And I go through seasons where I just devour books. Believe it or not, I'm I'm watching a lot of YouTube on how to fix and repair furnaces. <laughs> I spent a lot of time with that. Also, I had to. I, I got pulled over by the state police last week, Uh-oh. and they gave me a warning on my tail lights. So I spent a lot of time on YouTube trying to figure out what the heck was wrong with my truck before I got a ticket, which would be very expensive. So I actually fixed it thanks to YouTube. Wow, yeah, YouTube helping you out, getting, yeah. getting you what you need. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, our uh, our fireplace won't turn on for some reason. It started turning on, but it's not. So I'm sure I'll be on YouTube looking up why it's not turning on. There you go. If you need some help, yeah, let me know. <laughs> I, I'm all about gas furnace stuff now. Well, it started it started fine um, th- this year, and it was working really well. Yeah. And then yesterday when I came home from work, I, I went to go turn it on, and it just yeah. it didn't, it didn't. Your igniter on. could be dirty. It, that That's probably... Could be <laughs> how to diagnose a fireplace igniter yeah yeah so all right i'm sure we could talk more about my my fireplace and how much people want to hear about that but we'll move we'll move yep. on from yep. there um i for me not not too much going on a football season is is mm-hmm. coming to an end my ohio state buckeyes lost to in their big rivalry game and i'm upset about that and yeah uh, a little depressed and coping with that but you know we'll uh we'll survive i guess ut got stomped too yeah by yeah. georgia yeah yeah t- tennessee lost they lost the uh, Georgia Tech lost to Georgia, and so yeah. Unfortunately, I won't be watching my Ohio State Buckeyes in the playoffs. I'll be having to watch yep. that team up north in the playoffs. Uh, yep. So, but I'll, like I said, I'll survive. I'll survive. So there you let's go. Focus on Christmas. There you not, go. And, and the hope of the world. Yes. Yeah. I won't let the stress and the chaos of football nope. get me down. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um. Chris, you have anything from the Bible that you have been reading lately or that's impacted you or anything you want to share with the people? I'm reading Rick Warren uh, devotional and right now, and I, I started it at kind of a weird time. So it's talking about service and serving where you can, when you can, helping others. And just a, it's just a good reminder. He's so practical in what he says. And and. I'm not a servant by nature, and so that's something practical that I need to to do. So I just kind of try to drop and do. I don't, like I said in our devotion this week with our staff, is you got to be discerning because people are entitled. They take advantage, and and we want to serve people that have need, and at the same time, uh, we've got to be discerning with that. And so that's kind of something that, I'm thinking about, but also, you know, a big overriding thing with me is that, you know, we're, we are in God's timing 
and we are called to be faithful in his timing. And so the delays, the waiting, the things that happen, there's an, there's an overall purpose and objective, and God is in control of everything in everyone's life. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And it, it, the, the certain portion of serving is something that I I struggle with because I've seen enough and I've experienced enough to where, you know, if somebody calls the church and says, we need help, my first mm-hmm. thought is, you know, oh, they're trying to scam us, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe that sounds cold hearted. I'm not, right. I'm really not trying to be cold hearted. Uh, but like I said, I've seen enough and I've experienced enough to where, you know, it, it, it's rather difficult to to just believe every single person who calls. Right. Right. Uh, when in reality, there might be somebody who they really are just calling for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, mm-hmm. am I going to take time out of my busy day here at work uh, to figure out do they need help? Um, you know, I, I did go the other day. Somebody they either messaged the church or gave us a call, uh, but but he was out of gas over at Casey's and he just needed somebody to come and put ten bucks. In, mm-hmm. his, in his tank really fast. And so, so I went over there and I did that. Um, right. you know, did he, did he actually have gas? I don't know. Uh, the funny story was the time when the one guy asked me to come over, uh, I was at the gas station and, uh, he was on the other side and he said, Hey man, I, I, I'm really just struggling right now on gas. Can you, can you spare me like five or 10 bucks? And I said, sure, I'll give you five bucks. Uh, in the, in the, the tank clocked up at, three dollars and fifty cents so, mm-hmm. so obviously he didn't need very much gas. right no. <laughs> um yeah. but but it, you know i have to try to be discerning and i have to also right. not not be so pessimistic and think right. oh this person's just trying to scam me we've got to fight compassion fatigue right and and we get to that point or i get to that point often but at the same time there's a lot of panhandlers and scammers out there that don't need our help and we don't want to harm people in our helping and hurt people in our helping. And at the same time, we want to invest in the kingdom with people who have real need. And it's it's a uh, discernment. And we want to be, you know, if we are using the church's finances to help somebody, we want to make Mm -hmm. sure we're good stewards of those Mm -hmm. finances as well, making sure Mm -hmm. that if we are helping them, it's going to the the right cause to help that person uh, in such a way that that works. Um, You know, we we have our our family in need that we are able to help people who are a part of the church. And that's a bit more easier to discern because we we know the person and we can have mm-hmm. a conversation with them. Uh, mm-hmm. But then we also give to Clay County Benevolence, who uh, your friend, what's your friend's name that, that runs that, Chris? Scott Oslog. Scott Oslog. Yeah, he runs that. And, and it's really, really helpful knowing that we can, you know, send people over to him and he can kind of do that, um, what do you call it, the the – filing through who they are right do they need help Help, Uh, uh, because that's something we don't vet them help vet them do the research the background uh typically it takes two or three hours for us to vet someone and to figure out how we can help them and get them to the right help whereas scott has all those things in place and so then he can do that and make sure that the right people get the help they need right right and he his office for that is over in the in the low income tower in Jackson towers on the back side of Jackson towers. Yeah. So, you know, he's over there able to see that stuff and Mm -hmm. and probably get to know a lot of people uh, Mm -hmm. who might, who might be in need of that help as well. So that's really, really good. All right, Chris. Well, that's all I got for the episode today. You got any uh, final thoughts about the episode or maybe just anything going on in the church ministry you want to share with people? I hope that 
people will take this opportunity during the season to encourage people. People are just 80% of the people are just waiting for someone to invite them to a church. I think that our church is on a roll right now. Things are going positive. Christmas is going to be awesome. There's all kinds of different stuff going on. You're going to have a children's program. We have a special program for Christmas. We've got the Compassion Project going on. We're going to have some super Christmas Eve services. Church is going to be on Christmas Eve day on that Sunday morning. There are just all kinds of ways to plug in and to get involved and help and also bring people to church to share the light, the life, the hope, the peace. I don't know how people celebrate Christmas without Christ. Do you? I don't know. No, I don't know. My uh, my grandfather, he, he, he went to church growing up, but he doesn't go to church anymore. Uh, and he asked me at Thanksgiving this year, he said, he said, what happens when Christmas kind of just becomes stale? And I, I didn't really have an answer for him because Christmas has never become stale to me. You know, it's always been, if nothing mm-hmm. else, it's about the mm-hmm. birth of Jesus. And absolutely. So I don't know how they do. And, and and introducing the next generation, you've got young kids that are all excited about Christmas. My grandkids are all excited about Christmas. I I'm looking forward to Christmas. Yeah, Lottie uh, didn't want to take a picture with Santa though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I tell you about that at the yeah Santa for a little kid is a little right. scary. Jack Jack sat right down. You know, he he got his picture. Of course, he wasn't smiling or anything. He was just staring mm-hmm. off into the distance, mm-hmm. you know, a little six month old. But uh, but no, Lottie, she did not want to sit with Santa. So um, you know, I didn't want to tell her that she won't get Christmas presents if she doesn't. <laughs> I'll ease her into it. I'll ease, I'll ease her. Into there you it, go. So. You know, Santa could be scary to a one one to two year old. Yeah, yeah, she's just over two years old now. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, could be scary. Could be scary. Um, I had something else I was going to bring up. Oh, skit guys again. Yes, buy your tickets for that. That's yeah. December thirteenth is going to be awesome. Yep. I'm so looking forward to that. That's just a way to go into Christmas. That's just another thing that's going on at our church. That's yep. super awesome. It is. Oh, and we will have. Uh, I meant to tell everybody this. We we will have Christmas invitation cards to give out this Sunday as well. So we're going to put those next to the. Uh, bulletins on those tables. We'll have them um, mm-hmm. probably on some of the communion trays as well, on our trays, the tables as mm-hmm. well for you to pick up. Uh, mm-hmm. Please pick some of those up. Please invite people to the Christmas yeah. Eve service. Come I, and join us. We tell people all the time, one of the easiest times to invite somebody to Christmas is during Christmas Eve and right. during Easter because those right. are like the least you know difficult those times are, to tell people to come. That's the low-hanging low fruit time to say, Hey, you involved in the church? I was, I was, uh, off last week and I was fixing windows and the lady in the window shop said, you know, I used to go to church. I haven't been to church. I'm going to come to your church. I said, awesome. And you know what? You get those invitation cards. I'm going to stop by there and drop one off to her. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, and people take those too. We we put the those same cards in like restaurants and stuff like that around VBS time here. Yeah. And uh I've had multiple people say, Hey, yeah, we saw your card at, you know, uh whatever restaurant or mm-hmm. the dance studio or whatever mm-hmm. and, and we decided to bring our kids and, and they loved it mm-hmm. and they had a great time. So um, you know, if you can actually physically put that in somebody's hand and say, you know, we'd love to have you for Christmas Eve, uh, even better. Even better. 
Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to FCC Talk. Chris, thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Uh, Have a great day and we'll see you next time. See you next time.